For August 13, the 225th day of 2021, there are 140 days left in the year. Good morning, MB, guiding you through In the Know at K105 on Litchfield's Country Station, 1039 The Moose. Live online at K105.com via the Apple and Android smartphone app using the SoundCloud or iTunes podcast. On Facebook, watch on YouTube Live on Periscope. And the hashtag is in the know. Coming up today, we update you on the latest news headlines from around the community, the county, the Commonwealth, and the country. We'll have day number five of Where's Quacky. Going to have a conversation with Josh Embry from the Grayson County Health Department. And we'll give you a chance to win with the water cooler question. That and a whole lot more coming up today here on In the Know. Settling in to my left, rolling Mach 9 with her hair on fire, is my beautiful wife. The beautiful girl. It's me. Good morning, sweetheart. Good morning. How you doing? I'm good. I'm so happy it's Friday. <laughs> I cannot even stand myself. Have you been waiting on Friday all week? You have no idea. So you finally counted it down. And by the way, in case it it, it uh, serves you well, in addition to it being Friday the 13th, today is also Blame Someone Else Day. So in the event, this is the one day where you get an excuse. All other days, if you're just blaming someone else arbitrarily, it's poor form. <laughs> but today, you have a license to blame someone else for just about anything, okay? Mm-hmm. Except for me. Don't blame don't blame me. Not Over there in chair blame. number two, it's Friday, and we are thrilled to say good morning to the Grayson County Ag agent, Miss Whitney Carmen. Good morning. Good Welcome morning. back. I have been waiting all week to see you. I know. I'm glad. There's a particular reason I've been counting down the days. Uh-oh. I needed you on Tuesday. I'm sorry. When we were talking about the Field of Dreams field. But it happened. It happened. They said that the corn in Iowa is 10 to 12 feet tall. Yes. And I thought that sounded taller than your average corn. So... Even for Kentucky, 10 to 12 is on average. Mm-hmm. Interesting. It yes. doesn't look that tall from the road. It is It is very tall if you get up next to it. However, there are new kind of varieties that they're looking at that are, they call it short corn. So it's a little bit more like my height. They call foot. it stumpy corn. Stumpy corn. <laughs> <laughs> so Instead of calling it short, you call, it's yeah. more like stumpy. Uh-huh. Um, so I thought maybe just corn was bigger in Iowa like, Cattle are bigger in Texas. Corn was bigger in Iowa. But sounds like we can grow our own 10 to 12-foot corn here. We can, but it does help they have way better soil than we do. So yeah. their corn maybe is, you know, we compete with them quite a bit, but it's they have pretty good corn. Your household uh, is widely known to be a baseball household. Mm-hmm. So did you all gather around the television and watch Field of Dreams last my, night? My family did. I was at our cattlemen's meeting last night. But, yes, they gathered around and watched it, and they recorded it so I could go back and watch. But they had a they had, they had had fun watching it. I was suspect uh, earlier in the week because mm-hmm. I said if they're not going to play 
on the actual, actual field, field where they filmed the movie, then I wanted the Kevin Costner, James Earl Jones sitting on the small set of bleachers. I didn't want 8,000 people. Yeah. But I'll tell you, it looked awesome. It was it, it was great. It was so good. Yes. I watched the pregame show and then kind of sped through some of that to catch mm-hmm. it. It was touching. Kevin Costner was on. Kevin Costner cussed on live TV, by the way. Oh, wow. And um, I, um, when it started, and they said, okay, get ready for, get ready for the starting lineups. Uh-huh. When they came back from break, it was just this very reserved... And both the Yankees and the White Sox came out of the corn know, onto the field. So cool. And I, was, I got chills. <laughs> got I was, bumps, yeah. I'm like, this is what we've been waiting uh-huh. for. And then Kevin Costner comes out in front of them. And then he stands there and shakes their hand mm-hmm. when they come through. And, you know, he, he asked the question, is this heaven like the movie? And and then it turned out to be a great game. The ball was flying yes. well out of that uh, out of that field. What, nine to eight was the final. Right. But it was a walk off because it was a great, you know, it was a great ending to. Sox, the Sox won in a dramatic moment, nine to eight, on a Tim Anderson home run, which mm-hmm. was the ninth. Eight, it's the eighth, eighth home run of, of the, the game. game. Yeah, but. In that moment, when Tim Anderson was running the bases with the fireworks mm-hmm. in the background, it mo- looked more like Roy Hobbs in The Natural <laughs> than it looked like Field of Dreams. Yes, yes, there is a comparison and there. So you had multiple, you know, baseball metaphors coming together. I saw something last night that said, "Now we need to recreate the Sandlot game with the Fourth of oh. July." <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'd be for that. We'll cast Blake Stinson. Uh, Blake Stinson, yeah. you know, he can play. He well, that yeah. and they had the. Uh, of course, you know, you can have that because they played Little League games on that field, too, earlier in the week because the Little League World Series is going on, too, so we're watching that as well. So yep. that was pretty cool. Uh, so the good news is MLB went to the trouble to create that field, which wasn't there two mm-hmm. and a half, three months ago. Uh, they moved all the sand and the dirt, and they grew the corn which around it. feet. Can you imagine? Do I? Which that was a feat in oh, itself. Yeah. yeah, I mean it's uh, in the middle of nowhere, especially in the way the teams got. Mm-hmm. They didn't, you know, fly in and then they walked over to the ballpark. It was they had to take a bus. Mm-hmm. The Sox came from Milwaukee, I think, and they actually, you know, just saw the cornfields arise, and it just was a, a throwback of old time baseball. Feel good. Yeah, and yeah. it was part of what made baseball America's pastime for so long. And I'm thrilled to know that because they built that stadium there, that Major League Baseball is going to go back there every year mm-hmm. as a game, as part of the 162-game schedule, and the teams are going to rotate. And so other players from other teams are going to get the opportunity to participate on that field. And I think it's wonderful. I, I think it's, it's good for the game. It's good for – it's kind of good for America. Yes, it is. Because we're having just such a, you know, kind of a rough time now, which unfortunately we got to get to some of those headlines. But uh, weather-wise, more strong storms are possible later today. A uh, cluster of strong thunderstorms with uh, hail and wind will be possible regionally after 3 o'clock today. But overall, for the weekend, it's going to be a much more comfortable setup. That will change a little bit next week. With tropical air, we'll spike our rain chances once again. As the uh, I've been calling, I, th- I had heard it was Fran. It's Tropical Storm Fred, Fred yes. which is uh, I think being updated to Tropical Storm, and it is going to uh, come through the Gulf this weekend, and then we'll have some remnants of that uh, tomorrow. Uh, thunderstorms today. Uh, we'll have some remnants of that next week, not tomorrow. Uh, Ninety-three is the high today. Thunderstorms tonight, seventy-two. 
8 degrees cooler than last night, and partly cloudy tomorrow with a high of 87. At least we get a high tomorrow that starts with an 8 instead of starting with a 9. It's been pretty miserable out there this last couple of days. Absolutely it has. Well, we'll start internationally, just kind of something that's worth mentioning uh, as part of our news headlines. Uh, continue to be troubled at what I'm seeing uh, out of Afghanistan. In such a short number of weeks, the Taliban reclaiming so much of the Afghan country that we spent 20 years defending. And as the troop withdrawal, uh, as American troop withdrawal continues, now we're having to, really that has happened, but we're having to retreat in ways back to rescue workers and Afghanis who have been helpful to the American cause over the last two decades that will be targeted. And so we are... It's just a, a tedious situation. And, you know, I don't – you'll see people that said we should have left in 2002 and put the Taliban on notice that said if you ever let al-Qaeda back in here, we're going to come back in and take over. Then you have some people say that it's not a 20-year project. It's a 75-year project. And then you have some people that say we should have planted an American flag in the middle of it and said if we're going to spend $2.5 trillion – and 2,400 American lives and who knows, what, 15,000 battle injuries over there? Mm-hmm. That if we're going to do that, then it needs to be the 51st state. Yeah, I've heard that too. So, I, you know, and I don't know what the right answer was, but it, I just hate that we spend two decades doing something and then in a matter of weeks, the Afghan people can't or won't stand up and let the seeds of democracy and freedom germinate into something. But a lot of people just say that that's beyond their understanding. Mm-hmm. Like they, they've just lived for centuries and centuries without the idea of freedom that they don't know how to embrace. They don't know how to take it and run with it. Right. And they, and with us being over there, it was almost like they had a sense of, okay, well they'll help us out. Yeah. <laughs> and then now we're gone and they're like, Oh yeah. And I guess the, I mean, we'll continue obviously to have a, some type of eye on things, and I don't know that we're finished over there, but we're we're no longer you know occupying it on a daily basis uh, at the scale that we that we were much closer to home. You know, we've been dealing with the uh, the mask mandate for schools that came down from the governor on Tuesday, which was you know unpopular with some, accepted by some, and uh, welcomed by some, considering the Delta uh, variant that we've got going on. Uh, last night. There was a meeting of the um, there was a meeting of the Grayson County School Board, and about 150 people were um, involved in what turned into be a um, kind of devolved into something that was not productive, and um, a lot of people just not happy about the school board's decision to follow the executive order of the governor and you know lots of eventually lots of shouting and lots of concerns over uh, the school board following suit it eventually devolved to the point where the Litchfield Police Department had to um clear the room meeting kind of ended prematurely not much other business was enacted so uh you know it's people are are passionate both ways on yes. both sides of the issue and i i doubt very seriously that there's I doubt very seriously that we're still in a spot where there's going to be mind changing mm-hmm. take place. You know, I, I, um, if you feel you know something right now, 
I think you know it. Right. I think you've <laughs> You're decided. Not change that I think you've mind. decided yes. you know it. Yes. Whatever, wherever you've landed on the facts. Mm-hmm. Chances are you're not going to change a lot of uh, a lot of minds. So I just don't know what we can hope to achieve through right being impassioned about things on and either side of the, the issue. Everybody has the right to voice their opinion. Absolutely. That's not what we're you know that's Absolutely. that's not the argument. It's just that you're right. You're not going to change somebody's mind at this point. I think their minds are made up. The so. governor defended yesterday his decision, and he said any local education officials choosing to defy the masking requirements in schools will be held accountable if their students or staff get infected as the fast-spreading Delta variant drives up COVID-19 cases. He also praised the state school board for backing up his statewide school mask mandate with an emergency regulation requiring anyone inside a K-12 through school to wear a mask. The governor warned about the pace of new coronavirus infections, which were 200 a day a month ago, and now, well, nearly 3,000 on Wednesday when he was giving his speech yesterday. He had Wednesday's numbers in mind. Yesterday's numbers, uh, 2,713. So, you know, within a stone's throw of 3,000 again yesterday, the positivity rate from 11.22 to 11.57. There were 44 more Kentuckians hospitalized yesterday than there were on Wednesday. And that number is now. 1,371. So you're knocking on the door of 1,400 Kentuckians that are hospitalized in a particular day. And what is problematic about that is that now an already stressed and fatigued healthcare system in some areas stands, uh, is running the risk of being overwhelmed if these numbers uh, continue. And so I, I read, you know, it's, it's been important throughout this entire process is we've each individually had to decide who we're willing to listen to. Yeah, we, right. We've each had to take a source mm-hmm. and say, this is my go-to source of information. And unfortunately, you've got an entire healthcare community that are saying things about the pandemic and about COVID-19 and about the vaccine and too many people who ordinarily would follow the advice of healthcare are ignoring it in this case because they're listening to another source or they decided to follow another source of information mm-hmm. early on for non-healthcare reasons, mm-hmm. and it's clouding judgment of people. And so um, the Cindy Luchis, who is the chief nurse, ex- nurse executive for UofL Physicians at UofL Health, said, with the emergence of the Delta variant, we are seeing younger and healthier people become very sick. And this includes pediatric patients. Some are children under 12 who currently cannot be protected by a vaccine. So there's one healthcare professional. Dr. Stacy Caudill said um, one of the most important things we have seen with this round of COVID is that the age of admission has significantly decreased. The average age of admission has dropped from 75 to 55, and we have noticed the same with our mortalities. So listen to this uh, data point. Our current admission in hospitals, 94% are unvaccinated, and 100% of our ICU patients are unvaccinated. That is a, I mean, to me, that's a convincing metric that, you get vaccinated and you've got, at least by these numbers, a 100% chance of not finding your way to the ICU. Right. And the ICU, we know, is 
the next to the last step. Yeah. You know, from the ICU, the next negative step is the morgue. Mm-hmm. And that's then that's not where you want to be. And then uh, another healthcare professional, Dr. William Milan, said, we have not seen anyone in our hospital with vaccine complications, but we have seen too many patients with COVID that have not been vaccinated. So yesterday or day before, I said, you know, this is the phase that we're in. This is currently a pandemic for the unvaccinated. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, when it pertains to schools, you've got five to 11 year olds. I did the estimate yesterday. I said, okay, what, 300 kids per grade? If we graduate roughly 300 seniors every year at Grayson County High School, multiply that five to 11, you got roughly 1,800 kids that we're trying to send to school that don't have the liberty to be vaccinated currently if they want to. And that's where the real, that's where the real. That's going to be another, another step. I think when that is available. And that's why they're trying to scramble and figure it out. And then, you know, if you follow the the metrics about maybe half of those kids, Mm -hmm. when given an opportunity, their parents would choose to have them vaccinated. So at this point, it just kind of a, you know, just kind of a numbers game. But coming up in a few minutes, we're going to talk with the public health director of the Grayson County Health Department, Josh Ember. We're going to check in with him. They've obviously had a trying couple of weeks, but uh, good to get some information directly from him on how we're running at the moment. Uh, in other headlines, a missing Beaver Dam woman. Uh, police have been looking for since November of 2018, has been identified as a victim of foul play. 28-year-old Jamie Holland went missing in September of 2018. The Ohio County Sheriff's Office issued at least two calls for help locating her once in January of 2020, again in September of 2020. State police say Holland's remains were found on a farm outside Rosine in November 2018, but the body was only recently identified as Holland. The state police said yesterday foul play is expected in Holland's death. Also in Clarkson, uh, late last night, uh, an arson fire, uh, What's a fire that's being considered as arson but didn't cause much damage on a building that's under construction. We have an unconfirmed report that there may have been even an arrest sometime in the overnight hours, so we'll continue to have more information for you on that as it becomes available. We are decoding and... This word has become very popular over the last few years. We are unpacking the 2020 census. We're starting to learn a little bit more about what happened with our nation and our state over the last uh, decade. And Kentucky's overall population increased 3.8% to 4.5 million people between 2010 and 2020. That's interesting. Scott County, just north of Lexington there, you know, where they make lots of Toyotas had the state's biggest population growth at 21.2%. But you know how we've been saying Bowling Green is the fastest growing city in the state? (laughs) Warren County in south central Kentucky was next at Mm 18.2%. So Bowling Green, well, Warren County, more proper, but a lot of it is Bowling Green, they grew by nearly 20%. In 10 years. Yes. And on Georgetown's side of things or on Scott County, they are now just a suburb of Lexington. Yeah, it's just it is literally creeping up. Growing in. 75. Yesterday I had the opportunity. I I went from Nashville Road Mm -hmm. to over what people call Cemetery Road. So Uh I ran Campbell Lane to Lover's Lane yesterday in Bowling Green. And every time I go through there, they're building something Mm -hmm. else. And I remember even in my lifetime, 
you could get just a few feet out Lover's Lane, and there, there was, was nothing. nothing. And now we're we're quickly going to be to the point that from the old mall mm-hmm. <laughs> all the way to Cemetery <laughs> Road, there's just commerce up and down, yeah. and it's 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 really quite marvelous mm-hmm. in a just a 10-year period. A 25-year period I could go, I'd see, but really just in an extremely short period of time. Uh, Bell County, along the Virginia border, had the biggest population decline at 16%. Nationally, I read this morning, 85% of Americans live near a large city. And that surprises me because me I feel like in the last 10 years, we have had an influx of people coming from the city into the rural area. Especially in the last 10 months. <laughs> yeah, well, that too. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, remember, the census was taken during the pandemic yes. while people were attempting to make decisions on what they're doing mm-hmm. with their residency. So if you could boil the next decennial census down by the year, it'd be interesting to see if rurality spiked right In over that the year. first two years, mm-hmm. and then maybe it uh, it leveled out. Which, I, once again, I think that the cities themselves are growing, so the suburbs are growing, so, you know, maybe they are moving out of town, but that that encompassing of the actual city is big, becoming bigger. I don't know. It made me wonder, okay, what is near a large city? Because... Is it factories? Because if you think about it, there's a new, you know, there's maybe some industrial growth around the outskirts of those cities, and that brings jobs, right? right. I, I don't I, know. I'm, I'm just my guess is it. is that here's how they here's how they define lives near a large city. I'd say anything adjacent to Jefferson County, yes, which would then include Southern Indiana, mm-hmm. like that would that you're you're near a large city. Does Grayson County count as being a near a large city? Probably not. I mean, we rely on Louisville for some things, the UPS hub, you right. know, it, like uh, travel. But I doubt that we qualify as being near a large city. But 85 out of every 100 Americans are near a large city. That's a big number. Yeah. And especially if you think about the vastness of once you get out west, you know, in that in that area, mm-hmm. that's that's pretty pretty significant, if you ask me. Out there with the corn in yeah. Iowa, where they <laughs> play baseball. Yeah. Yesterday, it was like there had never been a major league baseball pitch thrown in Iowa until right. yesterday. Which yeah. just was hard to and imagine. And the funny thing was is to listen to the commentators talk about the corn and you know us and ag. I'm like they have no clue. <laughs> yeah, we just they, they, they don't. Know there why. needs they to be some education there. <laughs> Did you see some of the players trying to eat it? Yeah, and then, like they told you you don't. This is not that's sweet not corn. Either. That's not it's, eating it's corn. Not it's sweet field corn. corn. It's yeah. field corn. And in your downtime today, when your boss isn't looking, go look up the video. Two women get in heated concession stand brawl at Braves game. Have you seen this? I have. Um, unfortunately, listen, th- these are two women that know they're fighting it was a combination of mma greco-roman oh. wrestling this was not one of your slap like hair slap pulling hands. fights yeah, this was a, this oh was like God. a real like, put them in the octagon and they might be able to sell tickets to the thing it was <laughs> now i'm not condoning that type of behavior <laughs> i'm just saying this was not their first fight no yeah it's pretty obvious it was <laughs> no. not their first fight we got to get to a break we'll come back day number five of where's quacky is on the way and also looking forward to a conversation with uh, josh Embry from the grayson county health department hang around here on in the know in a night in la just another chance to see just you 
Today is day number five of Where's Quacky. We'll get to that in just a moment. But first you need to know, of course, it's Friday the 13th. It's Filet Mignon Day today. It's also Left Handers Day today. So Left Handers celebrate. Uh, and of course, I said it's Blame Someone Else Day. So and if, it's le- <laughs> if you're left-handed and you get to blame someone else today, it's just kind of your day. Uh, it's also day number five of Where's Quacky. Yesterday was a bit of a bit of a trick. Uh, it looked kind of like it was going to be firehouse related yesterday, but it was actually the Litch- new Litchfield City Hall with a tribute to the Litchfield Firehouses and Litchfield Fire Department. So that's actually one of the new cases at City Hall. That's where Quacky spent the day yesterday. But go to the K105 Facebook page and comment on today's photo on day number five and tell us where Quacky is. Uh, you'll see, obviously, it's... Um, you pretty much got a couple of choices on where Quacky is spending the day today. So you have kind of a 50-50 shot at it, and then you can decide in the comments section, where's Quacky? And then you may be announced on Monday as the latest winner in the Where's Quacky contest. We say good morning by telephone to uh, Josh Embry. He is the public health director of the Grayson County Health Department, and he uh, returns to the show. Good morning, Josh. Welcome back. Uh, good morning, neighbor. How are you? Uh, doing very well. I, you know, I see you in the neighborhood. I saw you getting breakfast this morning, and uh, I see you posting online, encouraging people, and you're just you're just seemingly everywhere these days. Yeah, just a little bit. <laughs> you, uh, I, you know, I talked to you a couple of days ago, and I just said it's obvious to me that this has been a, a really. Uh, it has to have been a fatigue on top of what was already a fatiguing time with the tumultuous times that we've been in the last couple of weeks. Uh, how are you all holding up? You know, I have staff who, you know, it's, it's, it's complicated. You know, I have staff who've said that they don't know if they can, uh, you know, take uh, another season or whatever you want to call this, another um, active spread of the variant, I guess you would say. Um, they've been through a lot, um, and, uh, you know, it's to the point where I've had to tell them, you know, if you need to step back, if you need a day off just to breathe, um, you know, we're kind of to that point now where, um, you know, mental health days are important, and I think that a lot of health, those that relate, who work in health care uh, really need to just be watching their mental health. You know, we're really good about encouraging people out in the community, um, to do that, but we we really need to reflect um, because this is like Groundhog Day, Groundhog Day or COVID 5.0, whatever you want to call it. Um, yeah. So yeah, we're feels, making it. You know, I, I remember when we went through what we described as the languishing period and where it was like it wouldn't go away. You could tell we were in what I call the short rows of it, but it just wouldn't disappear. I kind of think of March, April, May is that period. But now this feels like almost like the vengeance period in multiple ways. I think that the virus, this, this variation is, is vengeful, but I, I get a sense of vengeance from a lot of the citizenry. And I know you must be feeling some of that too. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of people who are very upset right now. And, uh, you know, I did a statement yesterday um, in support of our, our local schools, and I stand behind that statement. Um, I, it's a tough time for anyone um, who you know, is working in a field that has to enforce any type of regulations right now um, related to COVID. People are over it. Um, the issue with that is COVID's not done, and I wish it was. Uh, I'm tired of talking about it, too. I'm fatigued. I want it to go away. 
Um, but, you know, hospitals will tell you that people are still dying. People are still being, you know, put on ventilators. Um, and it, we're, now with this variant, we're seeing it with younger and younger people. Um, so it, it's not done by any means. And I think the only thing I can do as public health director is be honest and say, hey, I know you don't want to hear it, um, but it's my job to tell you that this this virus is not over by any means. In the first segment, I was um... – I was talking about how my observations are that people long ago made the decision on whose advice they were going to follow on this, and it seems to be very hard to break through and get them to listen to, um, I, I don't like to say alternative facts, but facts that maybe they're not willing to consider or they're not willing to comprehend. It, it's almost like you, once you've decided you know something or you feel it, you feel it so strongly that you're not willing to be open to uh, another opinion or another set, uh, a side or uh, an objective. Is that your observation? It is, and it's very frustrating. You know, the other day I was thinking about, um, you know, all these organizations, I always, when I pull information, um, I always make sure that it's it's a, a recognized, dependable source. Um, so, for instance, Johns Hopkins. Everybody has heard of Johns Hopkins. They're they're very well for their well known for their medical research, contri- uh, you know, contributions to medicine. Um, you used to be able to cite Johns Hopkins or the CDC or any res- respected organization. And, you know, at that point, I don't want to say you won the argument, but the other person really didn't have anything else to say because those are respected organizations. There's people who fly out to these places for, you know, heart transplants and uh, cancer-related care. They put all this, um, uh, you know, dependence and respect and uh, into the, the hands of these institutions. But when it comes to COVID, when these, these very same institutions, uh, you know, produce research and say the vaccine is effective, the vaccine is safe, uh, COVID is real, people are dying of COVID, then all of a sudden no one wants to hear that. They don't want, they don't know, they no longer respect that institution. So it's like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll respect you to, you know, do my heart transplant or, or, or manage my cancer care or, or manage this or manage that, but I'm not going to listen to you when it comes to the facts. So um, it, it's, it's really frustrating. It's, it's very, very frustrating. You, you know, you just said a name, John Hopkins. But as you were establishing that narrative, you know a name that came to my mind? What's that? Joe Lee. I mean, oh, you know, yeah. people, people would listen to Dr. Lee on most anything. Like, if, if he says this, if he says that, if it's, if it's caring for your child for decades, he is a trusted source of good information and guidance on what to do with your health care. But for some reason, when he says this vaccine is safe, get it, people go, I don't know. I, I think maybe you don't know what you're talking about in that regard. And it's it's extremely – I understand it, but it's just puzzling to me. And really it makes me a little bit sad. Uh, it does me too. You know, I, I, the, the most upsetting thing, I have a lot of respect for Dr. Lee. Of course, he sits on our board. He's our uh, medical director. Um, but he was also my pediatrician. Um, and I, I, always, I joke with him. I say, did you ever think that, you know, the, a, a child that you took care of would grow up and, you know, be director of the health department and you would be in your position and 
just can't get rid of me, you know. <laughs> but I, I was reading something on Facebook, and, you know, social media can be so poisoning, but somebody was pretty much just saying some pretty hateful things that, you know, that that I just didn't really appreciate. And it was aimed at uh, people like Dr. Lee, and I, I've never seen people behave that way. Um, everyone I ever have spoken to has nothing but respect for Dr. Lee and, and for, all you know, the other doctors. Um, who've given so much for this community, and they, and you know, people like Dr. Lee, they're putting their reputation on the line. Um, they really are. They know it's a, it's a, it's a hostile environment. There's people who feel very passionate about it. Uh, I'm sure, I'm sure that there's people who said, you know, I'm not going to listen to Dr. Lee anymore because he supports the vaccine. Um, but, uh, on the but other on the other end of the demographic scale, you know, I, I've been really struggling this week. Uh, I was away for a couple of weeks, and we went through a lot of the summer, and we got to the point where we didn't have to talk about COVID every day. And now we've returned, and suddenly it, it, it occupies so many conversations now because whether it's school board meetings that blow up in controversy or demonstrations on the square or whatever it is, you know, here it is. We're dealing with it, and, and we have to acknowledge it. But I, I have been trying to struggle. You know, in my role, I, I, I'm in a place where people at least will lend an ear and they'll they'll agree, they'll disagree, but they'll come back, and it's at least maybe facts that you don't already have. And I kind of feel like that's what I'm trying to do is work through it together with everyone and try to come up with something sensible. I certainly don't have all the answers, and I don't make all the right decisions, and I get that. But part of me struggles with what would I have to say to you? Like what argument – Will you listen to in this case if you're just so determined that either it's not real or the vaccine is bad or COVID, you know, doesn't exist or people really aren't dying? Like, I, I just have to ask myself, what would you listen to? On the other end, we just talked about Dr. Lee. You had a younger pediatrician in Dr. Tony Smith that this week, basically, Dr. Anthony Smith basically said, what would I have to say to get you to buy in to this? And do you, what would people listen to? Do you know? I mean, we've tried lotteries, we've tried bass boats, we've tried free education, we've tried, but some people are just unwilling. Well, uh, my mind goes back to senior year, junior, senior year of high school. I was, I was taking a college course, and in that course, I took argumentative writing. Um, and, and one of the bases to have an argument, to have a, and when I say argument, I don't mean cursing and fighting back and forth. I mean a good, productive discussion where two people are trying to persuade the, one another, okay? One, or each party has to be willing to compromise. And if one of those parties, just one out of the two, are not willing to compromise, you cannot have a successful, productive argument. And that's the whole foundation of argument of writing. And it's the same thing when you're trying to convince someone of the facts. If they're not willing to, in some way, concede or compromise or say, you know, maybe I am wrong. Let me digest what you're trying to tell me and put aside what I've been told. If they're not willing to do that, it's like talking to a concrete wall, as my mom would say. You know, you're, you're not going to get through to them. And so, but, you know, and this has been at my door. It, you know, it bothers me, and I think, why do I keep talking about this? Why do I keep educating at the end of the day, it's my job, and even though it, I may be talking to a brick wall, it's my job to keep talking, and maybe somehow, by a miracle, um, some of these people will start wanting to compromise or talk and be willing to um, have a 
quote-unquote argument, not one cursing or violent, or, but sit down and talk. And that's kind of why we went out in the community and we set up tables in certain places, put a sign up that said, ask, ask me questions about, you know, the, the vaccine. Yeah. You know, if, if you've been told this or that, come and ask, ask us. If we don't have the answers, we'll get it. It'll be from a reputable source. Um, so we're trying. Last thing before you go, and another assessment on my part, I guess I'm looking for you to either ratify or dispute. I think the people who are so averse maybe to uh, becoming vaccinated and protecting themselves, when you peel it all away, you take all the excuses, whether it's, you know, you'll grow an 11th toe or whatever's going to happen if you get it or the side effects or we don't know, at the very core, and you certainly know better than I, I think I find fear, you know, like in our, in our heart of hearts, there's a fear there, a fear of the unknown. Do you see that fear in people when you talk to them? I do. Um, and specifically when the vaccine uh, became available for children 12 years or older, um, you know, I understand that, well, actually I don't, I'm not a parent, but from my outside looking in, I don't think there's any greater love than a, a parent has for a child. Um, and so I think that I've, I've had people tell me I got the vaccine, but I'm not ready for my child to get vaccinated. I just don't know. Um, and so, yeah, I think it does have a lot to do about fear, but that's why it's so important um, for those people to reach out to that child's pediatrician and to have those conversations. Don't get your information from social media. Don't get your information from John Doe that lives down the road. Uh, you know, talk to, to your child's provider. You trust them for everything else. Why not trust them for this? Um, and, you know, just like Dr. Lee or Dr. Smith, um, you know, obviously they should be respected. They do a good job, and they know what they're doing. At the end of the day, we're not doctors. I'm not a doctor. You're not a doctor. Most parents are not doctors. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, just trust the real doctor, not Dr. Google or any of those things. It, it's It's an unfortunate period that we're living in, but I still have some hope. You know, I, I still think that – it, it, that if we work together, you know, if we'll be empathetic and we'll be accepting of uh, opposite viewpoints, opposite than ones of mine, that maybe we can work through it and people can make the best decisions. I'm not saying vaccination is good for everyone universally. Healthcare has to decide that. Your doctor has to decide whether it's the right decision or the not or the the not right decision. But you have to be open minded to working through it. I guess is what your is the takeaway I'm hearing from you, Josh. Yes, you have to be open-minded, and unfortunately, a lot of people um, right now, for like you said, you know, they're they're on the sideline and they've made their decisions, and so you know, at the end of the day, all we can do is just keep trucking along, trying to educate, pray for people, and do your very best, and that's all you can do. Well, thanks to you and your team for your willingness to keep showing up. Even when it's unpopular and even when you get grief in your face from people, thank you for showing up every day and helping us through it. We appreciate you very much. Thanks, Mark. Take care. That's Josh Embry from the Grayson County Health Department, Public Health Director. Got to get to a break. We'll come back. Today's water cooler question is coming up. Did you know? Whitney Carmen knows this, so I'm telling the rest of you, because any ag agent already knows this. Did you know marshmallows can be used as alligator bait? 
And they can be used for a lot of things. Did you you learned that in ag agent school? Didn't um, you? <laughs> the, sure. My, if you need to catch alligators, pigs like them too. If you had a pigs do mm-hmm. really, yeah. So if you get a farmer that calls up and says, I got an alligator problem, how do I get rid of it? Say, well, just bait your hook with marshmallows and your problem will be solved. Yep. You catch them. And you'll have lots of new boots and belts and hats <laughs> from your alligator skins. Here's today's water cooler question. It's your chance to win if you're not one in the last 30 days and you're 18 years of age or older. You qualify to win. You're going to text the correct answer to 270-259-6000. Give you your choice of tickets, Holiday World, uh, Kentucky Kingdom, or uh, Beach Bend, whatever works into your travels best. 270-259-6000. It's estimated that 15% of kids got this before going back to school. 15% of kids got this before going back to school. 270-259-6000. Text your answer to attempt to be the winner. 15 out of 100 kids got this before going back to school. Text the answer, 270-259-6000. Movie premieres this weekend. I was going to tell you, for a long time we went, there were no new movies at the box office to report. But there are some limited openings. Free Guy is out this week. Respect is out this week. Jennifer Hudson starring as Aretha Franklin. I'm very much looking forward to this. I saw Audrey McDonald is playing Jennifer Hudson, or Aretha's mom. Mm-hmm. And also Don't Breathe 2. It's an R-rated mystery thriller. So those are the three new movies that are out at the box office. You all looked puzzled when I gave you the question. Well, because that could be a lot of things. But well, what's 15%? 15% is yeah. the, yeah, that's the hard one. You know, like, like 60% got a, or 70% got a new backpack. Yeah, and that's right. what I started you out, know, and I thought, so, well, no, there's more than that. 15% of kids got this before going back to school. You remember last year when, well, let's take it back a couple of years to the real, um, introduction of the word Karen. I feel bad for all women, for women who were named Karen innocently that don't live up to the moniker and, of and being know, a Karen. I have a, you know, there's Karens and there's Kevins. Well, my dad's name is Kevin and my aunt's name is Karen. Oh, poor them. <laughs> well, they I are hope not that, like that. I hope they don't live up to the billing of what we know That's those the names thing. for. That's the then thing. you'll remember last year when, um, when people were hoarding and mm-hmm. you would go to the store, and we saw all the photos online that you could go to the beer aisle at the store, and all the beer was gone except for Corona. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like yeah. you couldn't, they couldn't sell Corona last year <laughs> because of the coronavirus. Right. Well, bless this little girl's heart. Her name is Delta. Oh, honey. And so her mom had tweeted about this is a bad time for your name to be Delta. Well. The Delta Airline, who is also having a hard time, they sent her a care package of the Delta blankets and the the Biscoff cookies. And yeah. so Delta Airlines sent, sent little Delta uh-huh. a backpack and a care package to kind of ease it. They were commiserating with her to say, yeah, it's a tough time to have <laughs> the name like Delta. I feel like Shepard and... Um Oh, Chris, uh, Kristen, Bell. Kristen Bell. Thank mm-hmm. you. I think their daughter's name is Delta as well. One of their daughters, because I think they were talking about that. They've got a new show coming out and they were, they were promoting all of that. And I think that's, I think one of their, they're having the same issue. <laughs> yeah. I get, it's, it, it must be, it must be rough. Uh, not a lot of 
kids named Delta, Mm-mm. but I like, like it. Yeah, it's a sweet name. It reminds me of I don't know what it reminds me of Delta other than Dawn. The, uh, the airline. Yeah, the song. What's Delta Burke. Delta Burke. That's the one I was. Mm-hmm. I almost think for some reason Dixie Carter came to mind, but she was another one of the designing, designing women. women. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, shoes. No new clothes. No uh, doctor checkup. No lunchbox. <laughs> no shots. No. That's uh, those percentages have to be higher. Fifteen percent of kids got this before going back to school. We'll hold it over during the break. Text the correct answers at 270-259-6000, 270-259-6000. What could it be? We'll tell you after the break. Coming up here on In the Know. MB's point to ponder for today. Age yourself with a clothing brand that was popular when you were in high school. Oh, Lordy. Age yourself with a clothing brand that was popular when you were in high school. I started really spinning through the ones, and I kind of ran through five or six. I was thinking uh, Eastlands, and then I thought, well, Eastlands is a little beyond just my high school. And then I was thinking about um, Swatch, and that went beyond. But I could, I really was able to narrow down to Coca-Cola. There was a period uh-huh. in 1987, 88, in that where everyone was wearing Coca-Cola branded everything. We had Hollister. Abercrombie and Fitch, oh, yeah. American That's Eagle. That's why you're so young. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, yeah. So Crocs I was thinking popular. more. I was thinking more Tommy. Okay. Yeah, Tommy um, would be. Yeah, I can see Tommy that as late mid to late nineties. Yeah, mm-hmm. I can see that. Uh, I originally thought Duckhead because Duckhead oh, was pretty. Yes. See, we had Duckhead cycled through, but Duckhead. If you were from a like from a rural community, Duckhead in ways never went away. Uh uh-uh. It just kind of got true. more. Hip, thanks to right. boys to men and the gallus yeah. off and uh, all Pretty that. Pretty sure my yearbook, my sophomore yearbook photo, was I had a duckhead shirt on. Yeah. Was it Lacoste? Sure. Is that the one with the alligator on it? Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, we had that too. Mm-hmm. At, at our our high school was the the polos and the you know that kind of stuff where they'd pop the collar and they had the t shirt in their pocket. Of course. <laughs> Because you know. all you all were tennis players, you had to pop your collar to protect your neck Whatever. so you didn't get... Uh, I wore sweatpants a lot. You didn't become sunburned. <laughs> on television tonight, the secret celebrity renovation on CBS. Tomorrow night is the season 19 premiere of Pawn Stars on History Channel. Also, if you want to see the repeat of Adele hosting Saturday Night Live with her, H-E-R, as the musical guest, that's on tomorrow night. The season three finale of Love Island is on Sunday night. Listen, um... Love Island seems to be pretty comprehensive. I've not watched it with you. Uh, you've watched it. But it that, it seems to keep you busy maybe four or five nights a week. Yes, and I love it. I mean, I got on. I, I don't know if I'm on the train, but I participated in the Big Brother season. Yeah. It seems a little more manageable at three nights a week. <laughs> but yet they... They stockpile to where we have to clear three nights and one night. We do the ch- we watch the challenge on MTV because they do they do a lot of challenges. But they take Big Brother and they take Survivor and they take some British show and they mix the people along with the real world original cast. Really, and they do they do c- competitions. What? 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> so if you like Big Brother, that might be something of interest to you because okay. there are people on there. Oh, what have you done? I'm <laughs> sorry. You just gave. He's like, wait a minute. I don't. Well, I, I you just catch gave candy my... to a baby. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Her, her face is going to be all sticky. <laughs> and then the uh, also on Celebrity, while you're watching Love Island, okay. I'll be watching Old Man TV, Celebrity Family Feud. Yeah, all right. I can <laughs> get behind that. That will be uh, Dion Cole versus Tisha Campbell and Kevin Smith and uh, Jason Mewis versus Justin Long. Yep. It's officially old man TV because I don't know who any of those people are. <laughs> I know who Tisha Campbell is, if that helps. But that's about it. We're watching the Outer Banks. So long as my man Steve Harvey is on there, I'm in good shape. Yeah. Today's highlight in history, this date in 1910, Florence Nightingale, the founder of Modern Nursing, died in London at age 90. The American flag was raised in Los Angeles for the first time in 1846. Bambi made its premiere at Radio City Music Hall this date in 1942. Bonnie and Clyde premiered this date in 1967. Birthdays today. Former U.S. Surgeon General Joycelyn Elders is 88. TV weatherman and fellow Kentuckian, well, Kentucky native, Sam Champion is 60 today. The pride of Paducah, He's Kentucky. getting ready to, he's probably down south right now. Getting ready, getting ready to the, track Fred. Uh-huh. And Sarah Huckabee Sanders, former White House press secretary, is 39 today. I she didn't realize she was that young. Yeah. She, is she running for governor? I think so. Of Arkansas? Is that right? I think so. Of course, you know what? Her dad was governor, right? Mm-hmm. Mike Huckabee. Gone but not forgotten. Goodness, we're late today. But we had really good information, I think. Annie Oakley was born this date in 1860. Alfred Hitchcock in 1899. Ben Hogan in 1912. Fidel Castro in 1926. Don Ho was born in 1930. Dan Fogelberg, born this date in 1951. Do you have any type of sneak? You're saying, I don't know any of those, those people as well. No. <laughs> you don't know Don Ho, Tiny Bubbles? Tiny Bubbles uh-uh. in the wine. What, do you have a preview of the farmer's market for tomorrow? I drove by there yesterday, mm-hmm. and I noticed that even on what maybe was the hottest day of the year, mm-hmm. you had those diehards that were there at yes. the farmer's market. Yeah. So I think there will be some sweet corn still available, fresh produce. Uh, I think there's some some homemade items that will be there, soaps, and probably some jams and jellies and some baked goods that I know for sure. Okay. So there may be a few others that decide to show up. That sounds up. like quite the diversified mm-hmm. offering. Yeah. And meat. I'd say there will be meat there as well. Okay. I hope it will be refrigerated it in will. some way. It has to be. It's going to be hot. They keep it in a freezer, and it's I frozen, mean, and it's it's packaged well. It will be so. cooler tomorrow than it was yesterday, but uh, yeah. it's still going to be still going to be hot. All right, let's see if we can find a chart topper or two before we get out of here for the day. 1961, Bobby Lewis was number one with Tossin' and Turnin'. Are the Carmens going to the air show this weekend? I would would love to go to the air show. I'm trying to talk my husband into it because that's one of my things. I I love 
Blue Angels. I love the Jets. I want to fly in one. It's kind of a bucket list thing for me. Kudos to Owensboro, by the they way. They are rocking I mean, it's and rolling. One, it's one thing to have an air show, but when you have an air show featuring the Blue Angels, yes. well, goodness gracious, you're really on to something. So it's going to be great. 1970, Stevie Wonder, number one. And I guess the air show is free, right? There's no way they can charge admission. I don't think they're charging admission for that. I think there's a few things that they charge for, but I, the, the actual show is you free. mean like funnel cakes yeah. <laughs> and lemonade and all that good stuff? Do you need a babysitter? <laughs> I, I think I actually have babysitters <laughs> this weekend. Why are you pointing at me? I'm not babysitting. You can babysit. It's a big enough job babysitting you. While you're eating your candy like a baby, watching <laughs> the challenge or whatever that she told you about on MTV. Uh, Good Times by Chic, number one this day, 1979. And let's go to 1988. Eric Carmen, Make Me Lose Control. What's this, the Dirty Dancing soundtrack? Is that right? Was it on there along with Eric Carmen? Oh, no, he had Hungry Eyes. Hungry Eyes. This yeah. was his follow-up to Hungry yeah. Eyes. Otherwise, we wouldn't know who Eric Carmen was. I was going to say, was. I'm pretty sure he's more or less a one-hit wonder. Uh, you take that back. He's a two-hit wonder. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Notorious B.I.G., Buff Daddy, Mo Money, Mo Problems. All right, Promiscuous, Nelly Furtado in 06, and Salento Watch Me in 2015. Six years ago today already. Whitney, thanks for coming in. Yeah. Glad we got to see you this week. And I'm so happy that you satisfied my curiosity about how tall is corn. Yep, pretty tall. Because I would have been uh, underestimating the height of average corn in Kentucky. <laughs> I thought maybe Iowa had the drop on us. They had a couple of extra feet. No, I think it's but all about the you, same. When you saw those Major League Baseball players coming out of there. Oh, like Aaron Judge, the, he's probably about as tall as Yeah, he's corn. nearly seven feet tall, and the corn kind of made him look short. So <laughs> that's some big corn. MB's Pearl of Wisdom for today. It takes a long time to grow an old friend. It takes a long time to grow an old friend. MB's Pearl of Wisdom for today. Look forward to seeing you back here on Monday for another edition of our show. For Whitney Carmen, for Beej, I'm MB, and now you're in the